So good to have you at Exalt Church today. We're going to begin a new series today called How to Make Godly Decisions. And uh, I don't want you guys just to make good decisions, but we want to make godly decisions. And before I, I jump in the message, let me say this. Thank you guys who attended last week for our very first Easter at Exalt Church. We're six months old, and we had just a, a full house last week on Easter. And because of that, we were able to give over $1,000 to the, the Justice Mission. Absolutely. And so basically they help in the areas of, of child uh, abduction and the sex trade and women abduction, the sex trade. And because you were here, the church gave $5 per person for everyone here last week to that mission. And they were excited. So guys, thank you so much. What is our, what is our vision here? We want to be a church that exists not for ourselves but for Jesus Christ and the world. We don't want to be that church that's out there protesting and cursing and fighting everything. We want to be that church that's out there being a blessing to our community, our commonwealth, our nation, and our world. Can you say yes to that? So I, I want to take up from last week a little bit and, and continue this idea of me being your air traffic controller for just a few moments. And I want to talk to you for just a moment that I, I don't fly airplanes. I, I have been a passenger, but I'm not a pilot. But it's my understanding that one of the most dangerous times, actually the two most dangerous times on an airplane potentially is when the plane takes off and when the plane lands. And so there are outside conditions that can dictate whether it's a safe landing or a safe takeoff. Things like heat and humidity, wind shear and freezing rains can cause the landing or the takeoff of an airplane to be difficult. In fact, the pilot may be absolutely oblivious to these outside conditions. And so they need the assistance of an air traffic controller to help them, and, and through clear communication between the two, the pilot uh, can get good information and take less risk with everyone on board. Now listen, should the pilot misunderstand the air traffic controller's directives, or should he fail or she fail to uh, listen and heed those control, air traffic controller's directives, the pilot may land on the, run, on the wrong runway, or may take off from the wrong runway, and disaster can happen. So communication is, is crucial between air traffic controller and the pilot. And guys, the same is true in our lives, that you and I, we, we may think we're the pilot of our lives, and we like to think in those terms, but if we aren't listening to air traffic control our Heavenly Father, there are obstacles in our lives that can actually cause us to land on the, run, on the wrong runway or take off from the wrong runway and disaster can happen. Sounds serious, doesn't it? Sounds heavy. So I, I want to talk to you a little bit about how to make godly decisions. I, I don't believe that God simply wants us to make good decisions but, but God wants us to make godly decisions, and, and godly decisions are good decisions. Godly decisions are the best decisions. Now, don't raise your hand, but have you ever made a poor decision? I have. Have you ever decided to do something and look back and say, why did I do that? As a teenager, 
I made some horrific decisions. As a driver, I've made some poor decisions. And I have paid the commonwealth for that above and beyond my taxes. So obstacle number one, what is one of the things that hinder us from making God's decisions? First of all, not being a Christ follower, not being a believer, not being a Christian. Around here, we don't use the term very often, being saved. We use the term being a Christ follower. I I, I think it, it gets to the point a little bit more here. Look what Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 2 says. It says, but your iniquities have separated you between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, and he will not hear you. Sometimes the reason why we don't hear from air traffic control or air traffic control doesn't hear us is simply because we, we aren't plugged in. We aren't Christ followers. And listen, God is under no obligation to hear the prayer of an unbeliever. Now, by His grace, He often does. And by His grace, He does answer prayers oftentimes, but God isn't obligated to hear our prayers. And so, what does God want me to do? How do I become a Christ follower? Well, first of all, I want to look in your notes there. It says, admit and ask. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9 says these words. It says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and He is just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from every wrong. And so if I'm going to be a Christ follower, if I'm going to become a Christian, if I'm going to become a God-fearer, a, a believer, what i got to do, i got to admit and ask. First of all, i got to admit that I need a Savior. I've got to admit that I don't have all the answers. I've got to admit that I can't fix what's wrong in my life. I've got to admit that I have a disease that I cannot cure, that I cannot heal, that I cannot make go away. I need a Savior. And you know, the gospel, the good news is only good news when you realize that it saves you from something, that it rescues you from something. It steps in and takes you out of something bad and puts you into something fantastic and wonderful. So the Bible says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful, He is just to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I needed a Savior. I need a Savior. I need someone to rescue me. If you've ever been in a 12-step program, you realize one of the very first steps is simply this. It says, I am powerless by myself to change anything. I needed a higher power. And we believe that higher power is not the Commonwealth of Virginia Electric or, you know, Virginia Gas. We realize that that, that higher power is the Lord Jesus Christ, and He is risen from the dead, and His resurrection power is available to anyone that calls upon Him. But you've got to admit and ask, I need a Savior. Listen, I don't become a Christian because my grandma was a Christian. I was raised in a family of pagans. The only person that believed in the Lord Jesus Christ in my family growing up for for many years was my grandmother. And she was a very poor woman. And I'd go to her house, and here's what she would do. She would give me all the turnips I could eat, because she was poor. And she would give me as much coffee as I wanted to drink, with as much sugar in that coffee that I wanted. 
and she would tell me about Jesus. Now you know my issue, right? Turnips and sugary coffee. And she'd tell me about Jesus. And so the first person to tell me about Jesus wasn't my mom, my dad, the pastor, the preacher. The first person to tell me about Jesus was my old grandmother. And I realized I needed a Savior. And so at eight years old, Jesus Christ came into my life and, and saved me. And that brings us to the next thing. If we're going to be a Christ follower, we must believe. Believe what? That I needed a Savior, but Jesus died to pay for my sins. And that he rose again and is alive today. Listen carefully. If Jesus Christ is dead, what we're doing, what we're doing here right now is a waste of time. If Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead... When we gather here, we'd be better off being at the beach right now or being in the mountains or be fishing or hunting or something else. Because if Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead, our faith is empty, it's worthless, it's vanity. If the resurrection of Jesus Christ is just a myth, we're just playing a bunch of games here today. And so we got to believe. Believe what? Romans 10 and 9 says, if you confess that Jesus is your Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so if I'm going to make not only good decisions, but if I'm going to make godly decisions, I need to become a Christ follower. And how do I do that? I believe that Jesus Christ died on my behalf. He lived the perfect life, became my substitute because Jesus Christ died upon the cross in my place, in your place. God isn't mad at you. God isn't angry at you. God isn't out to get you. He took out his wrath and his anger upon Jesus Christ. And upon the cross, Jesus absorbed the very wrath and anger of God for all humanity, for everyone who believes upon him. And so here's the reality. Either you're going to believe that Jesus Christ was your substitute and he takes the anger of God and the wrath of God upon himself, or you don't. And you choose to say, I later on will take God's wrath upon myself. That's our choices. Now that's not real shout me down, happy preaching. But if I did not love you, I would lie to you and not tell you the truth. I would tell you what you want to hear. I tell you, you're a good person. You're a good guy. You're a good woman. You're a good man. You've got it all together. And yet Jesus Christ comes and his perfect life says to me, Roger, you need a savior. You're not perfect. Roger, your battery's not included. As I'm eight years old in an unbelieving household, I called upon Jesus Christ and said, Jesus, be my savior. And it's been the greatest adventure of my life, serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Has it all been wonderful? No. There's been ups and downs. There's been times I've gone through hell. There's been times I've gone through pain. There's times I've been laughed at, scoffed at, rejected. But what a beautiful adventure it has been. We believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. What do we believe? We believe that God isn't angry at us. We believe that God loves us. Why? Because Jesus Christ paid the price. Because Jesus Christ made it right. Because Jesus Christ lived the life I could not live. Died the death I should have died on my behalf. And this is the hard one. Accept. So we accept it. How do, how do you accept a compliment? You say thank you. 
How do you accept a gift? Say thank you. Can I be really honest with you? I get really weird when people give me gifts. It drives my beloved wife, Laura, crazy because at Christmas time or my birthday, she'll go through all the trouble to give me this gift, and I just kind of, I, I get weird. And part of that is because I, I, I don't like to owe people anything. I, 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 it's hard for me to accept it, and some of you are the same way. Someone gives you a compliment, and you should say, thank you. Instead, you make excuses. Oh, what a lovely dress. Oh, this old thing. Oh, beautiful song. Oh, it was the Holy Spirit. It wasn't me. <laughs> Kelly, didn't Kelly do an awesome job today? <laughs> didn't she do an awesome job? Uh, Laura leaned over to me and said, wow, Kelly is getting better and better and more confident. She, Kelly, wherever you're at, you blessed me today singing that song today. Awesome. And so we accept the gift. Look what the Bible says in Ephesians 2 and verse 8. It says, for it is by grace you are saved. Through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can brag about it. I did not save myself. I did not fix myself because if I would have fixed myself, I'd brag about it. Look what I did. Look how great I am. Look how wonderful I am. And that is religion. It's disgusting. And religion says, do this work, and do this work, and do that, and do that. And then maybe if you're good enough, the capricious God may or may not forgive you. Some of you come from religious churches or a religious background, and all you thought faith was was a series of do's and don'ts. You can't have a tattoo. You can't drink a glass of wine. If you say a swear word, man, you're going to hell in a handbasket right there. And you can't cut your hair, ladies. Guys, your hair can't be past your collar. Yes, back in the 80s, I rocked a mullet. It did not look that great, but man, I rocked it well, and I was still going to heaven with that mullet, all right? Pastor, do you have a tattoo? No, I am a wimp, and thus I don't have one, okay? I don't like being pricked with pins. So, it's by grace through faith you've been saved. And it's a gift from God. God's great is a gift. God's faith is a gift to you, not by yourselves. And so you accept it. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Thank you, Jesus, for being my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for not leaving me hopeless. Thank you, Jesus, for not allowing me to, to die in my sins, but for saving my life. Not by works. I hope you never hear at Exalt Church, do this, don't do that, stop this, stop that, don't do that, do this, do that, don't do that, stop that. Here's what I hope you hear. I hope you hear that Jesus Christ is the answer. I hope you hear that Jesus Christ changes everything. His birth, His death, His resurrection, His ascension is the gospel. It changes absolutely everything. He came into your broken life and He has redeemed your broken life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this gift. I believe in you. Thank you. It's a gift. And then we, now, now I'll say this too. Let me stop here for just a second and say this. 
Most religions are spelled D-O. Do, 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 do. Christianity is spelled D-O-N-E. Done. Now, Southern Christianity is often still spelled D-O. Do, do, do. American Christianity is often still spelled D-O. Do, 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 do this, do that. Join this committee, and you hate that committee, but you do it because if you do the committee, maybe God will love you and let you into heaven. God loves you because you're there. God loves you because you exist. God loves you because you you breathe. Now, because I love Him, and because I am a new creation, I behave differently. A caterpillar can't fly, but when the metamorphosis takes place, it now becomes a product of the transformation, and it flies because it's not a caterpillar anymore. And when Jesus came into my life and Jesus comes into your life, he transforms you and changes you. So now you don't crawl, now you fly, now you live, now you're transformed. Not because you want to get God to love you, but because you've been transformed. You're not the same anymore. You're not the racist. You're not the hater. You're not the bigot. You're not the guy you used to be. Jesus Christ has come in and transformed your life, and now you fly, and now you give, and now you do, not to get God to love you, but because God loves you, and you just do it. It is the fruit of your faith, not the root of your faith. Do you see the difference? An apple tree produces apples because it's an apple tree. A grapevine produces grapes because it's a grapevine. You produce love and joy and peace because you are a Christian. You produce hope. Why? Because you are a Christian. You don't walk around saying, oh, i got to be hopeful, i got to be hopeful, i got to be hopeful. No, you have hope because it is the fruit of who you are. And you love people. Why? Because it's the fruit of who you are. And you serve in the church. You serve people. Why? Because it's the fruit of who you are. It's a gift. And we're talking about making godly decisions. And the only way we're going to make godly decisions is, first of all, if we become Christ followers. So how do I become a Christ follower? Finally, invite Jesus Christ. Invite him to come into your life. And be the director of your life. That's hard, guys. That's hard, American man, to have someone tell you what to do. Do you realize sometimes my Savior tells me no? You know, there's times I want to do something. He says, no, that's not my plan. That's not my will. Don't do it. You know, there's some things I want to do. And he says, nope, it's not for you. I called you to higher things. I called you to greater things. That is not who you are anymore. Invite Jesus Christ to come into your life. Accept Him as your Savior. Admit you needed a Savior. Believe in Him. Invite Him to come into your life. Revelation 3 and 20 says, I stand at the door and knock of your heart. If anyone hears my voice, anyone, young person, teenager, in your 60s, anyone, hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. 
Invite Jesus Christ into your life. Invite God into your life. Invite his salvation into your life. Invite him into your decisions. Invite him into your family. Invite him into your work. Invite him into your church. There are some churches he's knocking at the door and they won't let him in. Invite him. Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, be my Savior. Jesus, be the director of my life. Now, I'm going to give you an opportunity here today. I haven't done this in six months in this setting. But I'm going to give you an opportunity that if you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you've never become a Christ follower, or maybe you have been away from Christ for a long time and you've run and the, the Easter season has come along and now you're open again and you're thinking about it, will you consider recommitting your life to Jesus Christ today? You've tried your life on your own and it's been empty. You've looked for hope in other things and you've still come up hopeless. Now I'm not telling you serving Jesus makes everything perfect. Some people served Jesus and they were beheaded. Some people served Jesus and they were skinned alive. There were more martyrs in the Christian faith last year than all of the previous years combined. Christians around the world, outside the U.S., are being martyred and killed for their faith. Because they believe in Jesus. So I'm not going to tell you it's simple and it's easy, but I will tell you this. When Jesus Christ comes into your life, there is a hope and there's a purpose and there is this thing called life that comes into you that outside of him you don't have. Some of you are walking dead people. You're walking and you're dead. Oh, you're alive physically, but spiritually you're dead. Invite Jesus Christ to come into your life. Now, I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer with me. What I'm not going to do, listen carefully, because some of you folks have been to churches that have done this. I'm not going to make you raise your hand. I'm not going to pump it up and say, on the count of three, stand up. I'm not going to say, oh, come down here and shake my hand because my hand is sweaty. Right where you are, invite Jesus Christ to meet you where you are. And then I'm going to ask you to do two things after that. Take the blue card and let us know that you decided to have Jesus Christ be your Savior. Because I want to send you about four emails over the next four days helping you grow in your faith. Just practical information. I'm not going to call you. I'm not going to have you come have Starbucks coffee with me. But I want to put that in your hand. And second of all, when we have a baptism this summer, Get baptized and tell the world, Jesus Christ has saved my life. Amen. Pray this prayer with me if you want Jesus Christ, if you want to become a Christ follower. And maybe you ran from him and you just want to make a recommitment. Pray this prayer with me. And then believers who already believe in him, will you pray with me as well out loud so it's not awkward for those who are praying for the first time? Jesus, Thank you for making me and loving me. Even when I've ignored you and gone my own way. I realize today, I need you in my life. And I am sorry for my sins. 
I ask you to forgive me. Thank you for dying upon the cross for me. Please help me to understand it more. And as much as I know how, I choose to follow you from now on. Come into my life. Make me a new person. I accept your gift of salvation. Cause me to grow as a Christ follower. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. Why don't you go ahead and give the Lord a clap for that. I think some people came to the Lord. What I love about being a new church, we're six months old. What I love about it is most weeks we have someone, some adult, come to faith in Jesus Christ. I love hearing those stories and seeing what Jesus Christ has done. So if you're going to make godly decisions, not just good decisions, but godly decisions, the best decision you can make was the one you just made right there. Jesus, I want to follow you. I don't want to follow my plan. I don't want to follow my will or my dream or my wishes. I want to follow you. Not a man. Don't follow Roger. I'll mess you up. I am dysfunctional. Ask my wife. Ask my mother. I will mess you up. Follow Jesus. But here is a second obstacle that happens here in our lives that causes us not to follow air traffic control. And we're not going to get through this whole outline today, guys, so don't panic. I'm going to get a little ways through it today, and we'll come back and pick it up next week. But the second obstacle is pride. Pride is this thing in our life that says, I know what's best for me. I know what's the best choice for me, and I choose to listen to whomever I want to listen. Pride is stiff. Pride is unbendable. To be proud is to be unteachable and unchangeable. It's to say, I know it all. Do you want a metaphor? It's your boyfriend. It's your fiance. It's your husband. When he refuses to listen to the GPS and he says, I know how to get there. Someone say yes. I'm not so proud. A few years ago, before our phones had the GPS on it, I said to my beautiful wife, I said, honey, I need a GPS to talk to me. And she said, you don't listen to anybody. <laughs> she said, I tell you where to go, and you say, uh-huh, and you go where you want to go. I said, I have a plan. Did I not? Get me a GPS with a woman's British accent. And whatever she says, recalculating, I'll do. It was marvelous, wasn't it? So now when, for me, Laura says, and so now when Laura wants me to do something, she just speaks to me in a British accent, and it's all wonderful. <laughs> if you believe that, I've got some land to sell you somewhere. But it's pride. It's being unchangeable, unflexible, unbendable. I know what's right, and we all have that problem. And sometimes God says, I know what's best. Listen, God made you. God created you. God designed you. And because he designed you, he knows how you best operate. 
And we have a book called the Bible. And in that Bible, it gives us principles. It gives us commands. It gives us information that says, if you want to be the best you can be, follow this instruction. And oftentimes what I'll do is I will reject his instruction and I will land my plane on the wrong runway. Or I'll take off and there'll be ice on the wing. Or there'll be a lot of heat and I think I can do it myself. Isn't it amazing? We don't talk about this much around here. But the word sin, the very center word is the word I. I is most of my problems. I find it amazing when God created Lucifer, who became Satan. He was the most beautiful of all creation. He's called the morning star. And the Bible says that this music just came out of him. And he was beautiful. And he was gorgeous. And he was like just a walking orchestra of music. And one day he said, it's not enough. I don't want to just be blessed and beautiful and gifted. I want to be God. And the Bible says he said to himself, I will arise. I will ascend into heaven. I will be like God. I will overthrow God. I don't need him. I don't need to be taught. I don't need a director. I can be the boss. I will overthrow God. And the Bible says he rebelled against God. And God threw him down. And into the garden he comes and he says to man and woman, he says, you don't need God. See the theme? You can be like God. Eat of the fruit of this tree. Your eyes will be open. You don't need God telling you what you to do. You can do and you know what's best. And so sin, the root letter I, I got him to start making the decisions. My friend, Pride will lead you into decisions that will destroy you. Pride will cause you to buy a house that you cannot afford to impress people you don't even like. Pride will cause you to buy a car that you can't afford for the same reason, to impress a bunch of people that you can't even stand. Psalm 25 and verse 9 says these words. The humble... God guides in justice, and the tumble, he teaches his way. This is not in your notes, but listen to these words. James 4 and 6 says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. 1 Peter 5 and verse 5, not in your notes, but listen. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, so that at the proper time, He may exalt you. Do you know why God blesses the humble? Because the humble are teachable. Because the humble listen. And let me tell you what humility is. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. Oh, I'm bad, I'm evil, I'm a misfit, I'm messed up. But humility is thinking of yourself less. It's not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less often. People love to gossip about you until they get on their favorite subject themselves. I'm, am I right? You guys are quiet or I am loud. I don't know which it is. 
But pride will get into where we will stop making good decisions and we'll start making bad decisions. Pride gets in and we will we'll start having fights that we never have to have. I know what you're thinking right now. Wow, I wish my wife would hear this message right now. She's proud-filled. The Titanic sank not because it hit an iceberg. The Titanic had a pride issue that April day. I understand as I read history that they are warned no less than six times. There are icebergs in the water. But those driving the Titanic said, we are unbeatable. There has never been a piece of technology like us. We have ego. We have power. We're unseekable. And over and over again they were told, there is, there is an obstacle in your way. It's going to devastate you. But pride caused the decision makers to take the Titanic and just keep going and keep driving and keep pushing until it struck the iceberg and you saw the movie. And your heart still goes on and on, doesn't it? When you guys get quiet, all the bad jokes come out. All of our guests, I apologize, I know. Here is the quickest way to get a word from God. Here is the quickest way to hear from the Lord. Humble yourself. God, I don't have the answer. We had a newcomer's coffee today, and we had some great questions. And one of the questions was, is, when are you going to have a building? And i got to say, I don't know. We're praying to the Lord. The Lord will let us know. And can I tell you how freeing it is to say, I don't know? You know how freeing it is when someone asks me a question as your pastor, and I say, I don't know, ask the Father. I don't know. <laughs> Do you know how great that is? To say, I don't have a clue. It's above my pay scale. I'm an idiot. Thank you for not saying amen to that. Appreciate that. But Danny, you laughed a little too loudly back there. Here is the quickest way to get a word from God. Here's the quickest way to get your life out of a big mess. Pause. Take responsibility. And humble yourself. God, I messed up. Humble yourself. God, I really missed that one. Humble yourself. Honey, I am sorry. I did not realize if I did not take the trash out, ants would come through the window. I'm sorry. Humble yourself. And take yourself out of this position where you are just a free-wielding pilot on your own, flying wherever your eyes take you, going wherever you want to go, and humble yourself and say, air traffic control, I don't know. Help. 
some of the most faith-filled prayers I have prayed, and some of you may argue against this, but some of the most faith-filled prayers I have ever prayed in my life has when I've come to the end of myself and I couldn't fix it, I couldn't change it, I couldn't heal it, I couldn't make it, I couldn't make it happen, and I'd have to kneel and pray these words, Help Jesus. And you can call that a lack of faith or not having enough faith and not naming it and claiming it, not saying in my authority. But I'm here to tell you something, my friends. Maybe you didn't have a good dad, but I know something. My dad wasn't perfect, but when I raised my hand in tears and said, help me, daddy, my daddy would pick me up. There's times I've knelt down to pray and say, Lord, I don't know. I, I'm not smart enough. I'm not fast enough. I'm not young enough. I don't have the information. Some of you have to make a decision right now, and you just don't have the information, and information is key. And that's the best place to be. Because that's when you step out of yourself and you humble yourself and you say, Lord, what do you want me to do? I don't have the answers. I want to get one more of these in here today because I want you to take this home with you and we'll stop here. The third obstacle to making godly decisions is this. It's something called self-deception. Self-deception. James chapter 1 and verse 22, we read these words. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone's a hearer of the word, the Bible, and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. James 1.22 says in the contemporary English version, obeys God's message, don't fool yourself by just listening to it. Here's the illustration. Most people come to the Bible, they read the Bible, they see the reflection, and they go away and don't do anything about it. The Bible convicts them, the Bible rebukes them, the Bible gives them direction, the Bible tells them what to do in their relationship, it tells them what to do in their finances, it tells them what to do in their parenting, and they read and say, well, that was nice, that was touching, and they walk away and don't make any change. How many of you today got up this morning and the very first thing you did after taking a shower or a bath was to walk over and look at the mirror and see what you really look like? Wow, you look bad, Roger. Man, you didn't sleep well. And you look at the bags under your eye and your hair is a mess. And what do you do? The mirror says to you, Roger, you must fix some things before you walk up there and speak. You look bad. Your hair is disheveled. Your, 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 your breath stinks. Man, you look horrible. And you look at the mirror and you say, yeah, I do look horrible. Now, some of you guys look at the mirror and you start flexing. Oh, look at me, man. Look at me. Most of you are looking like myself and you say, blah, blah, blah. And what do you do? You come into agreement with that mirror. And you say, I've got to change this. I've got to comb my hair. I've got to brush my teeth. I've got to put a jacket on. I, I've got to wash my skin. And that's what happens with the Bible. If you just look in the mirror, oh, and you walk off, nothing changed. 
If we're not careful, we'll hear a message like this, we'll get in the Bible, and the Bible has a way of putting its finger on us because God loves us, and he puts his finger on us. If we're not careful, we'll brush it off, and we'll just walk out with our hair disheveled and keep on doing what we're doing. But if we're going to make godly decisions, we've got to stop deceiving ourselves. How? Thinking that we have all the answers. Thinking we can live life on our own. Thinking that we know better for our lives than God. Listen carefully. Some of you need to get some advice from some close friends. Some of you need better close friends. But if three of your closest friends say to you, you're a donkey, it's time to buy a saddle. All right? Woo! Amen. We must be prepared to go wherever God directs us. And so listen, guys, God is speaking to you, He's talking to you, and He's not going to give you any new direction until you listen to what He said before. I said a few weeks ago in the message, some of you want a word from God. God, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? And He already told you something to do six months ago, and you haven't done it. Boy, you told me a year ago and you haven't done it. And now you want direction now. It's kind of like me when, when I counsel people. After a while, when I give people advice and say, here's my advice, here's what I would counsel you to do, and you don't listen to me, after a while, I quit booking you for meetings because you're wasting your time, you're wasting my time, and I would rather be out at the beach or hiking. And God talks, and He talks, and He talks, but you've got to be obedient to the last thing he did and quit deceiving yourselves. Now, I know this wasn't fun. We're, we're covering this stuff. This is like having the root canal. Keep coming back to the series. We're going to get through these obstacles and we're going to start going, but I've got to get the, the ice off the plane. I, I've got to get you to see what's going on and so you can start making godly decisions. Stand up with me real quickly here. Look at me and look at my eyes for just a moment and hear these words. God loves you so very much. And if the message has pricked you, and that was a little painful, if it was my obnoxiousness, I apologize. If it offended because of my delivery, I apologize. If my humor came off as curt, I apologize as well for that. I'm sorry. But if the message itself offended you, stop. And pause, because what the Bible says is, whom God loves, He disciplines. Whom God loves, He gives a pat on the bottom, if you will. Whom God loves, He brings in severe mercies to get your attention. And God loves you today. And He doesn't want you just living this life on your own. He wants you to live the abundant and the full life. And how do we do that? We become a Christ follower. How do we do that? We humble ourselves. How do we do that? We quit lying to ourselves. We quit looking in the mirror of the word of God that speaks to our heart and then walking away to doing our own thing. We bow our knee to the Lord Jesus Christ and say, Lord, in my life be glorified. Do in my life what you want to do. What do you have to lose? You've done it your way all of this time. Why not go ahead now and do it the way he's designed you to do it, his way. Amen.
Father, thank you so much for these great people here today. Thank you so much for the great crowd last week. Thank you so much for the band and the kids' ministry and the First Impressions team. Lord, thank you so much for the multi-generations of people you've brought here. People with no hair, people with gray hair, people with young, young and old alike. Thank you, Lord, for this community. And I pray as we go down this journey, Lord, that we would submit to you and become all that you've called us to be. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We honor you. We love you. We bless your name. And Lord, those that have decisions to make, even now, I pray over the next few weeks, may it become so clear what your will and your purpose is for us. We bless your name, Jesus Christ. Amen.